Hey drum friends, hope you're all well. Um, this episode was good fun, a little different. We managed to actually record a video, um, so you can watch this. It's on our YouTube channel. Um, that's why it's, uh, it may sound a little weird when you hear us talking about what we talk about, you know. Um, if you're just listening on audio, then I hope you enjoy as much as the guys that are watching on video. Uh, we tried to do something a little different, uh, talk about drum modern players who have a sound. Um, if you like it, great. If you don't, drop us a line and we'll we'll talk about the guys that we might have missed or the girls that we might have missed. Bear in mind, this is just our opinion. Um, we are still shipping, um, as usual, from the internet, so drummersonly.co.uk. So if you want anything or you need anything to get you by, then just drop us a line and we'll hook it up. Free delivery, over £50, everybody. Um, drop us a line on Facebook or on Instagram, Twitter, or info at drummersonly.co.uk um, and we'll see um, what we can do for you to help you out um, if, you, if there's any gear you need. Uh, we have some other podcasts coming your way. Uh, we did one with the wonderful Simon Edgus, which managed a video, so that should hopefully drop in about a week or so, let this one settle and simmer for a bit. And then there's some other ones that were sort of pre-COVID-19, if you like, that were done. So we will get them released um, as soon as possible. Um, but hope you enjoy. Thanks, uh, as ever, for listening. And um, we will catch up with you soon. Hey, man. Hi, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. This whole thing is wild, but it's fun. I know. It's, it's a kind of... Um, it's an experiment. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll work. Hopefully, I think it'll hopefully work. work. I've spoke to some people that that want to do one if it does work. Mm-hmm. So I think um, maybe some distribution pals might do one, and some some other drum pals if we can get it all hooked up. So that yeah. that should be good fun. This um, is going to take a little while for us, I think, to figure out as well. <clears throat> as if figuring out how to do a podcast wasn't hard enough. We now need to figure out how to do a podcast when we're not in the same room. Yeah, but hey, many people, many many people do it, don't they? Yeah, that's true. I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be fine. Um, we're trying to do things like uh, record audio separately. Um, so I have, like, you can see a big microphone in front of Adam's face. I have one of these, you know, um, just as a way to, because these, these things are really glitchy. Mm-hmm. I, I find that these can be, it's like having a Skype conversation and your internet connection drops out. Yeah, which could realistically happen at any given moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we'll soldier on. <laughs> So is it on indeed. We're going to talk about drummers that have a sound. Yes. That, that was pitched to us, wasn't it? Pitched to us by a customer, I believe. I can't it was. Before, before the war. So, <laughs> so there will probably be some sort of weird drummer loving um, as, yeah. as you and I fan over certain people. Um, but I think I don't doubt that. I'm kind of hoping for that, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean the obvious one. I think the obvious one we talked about in, in the shop anyway was was Dave Grohl was immediately like. Immediately, yeah, just whatever situation Dave finds himself in, he has a sound. He absolutely does. I have told this story before on the podcast, um, but I'm going to tell it again because it's very relevant right now. It wasn't relevant when I told it the first time, but I'm going to tell it now. Um, I saw the Foo Fighters recently in Glasgow, and um, Taylor came out from behind the kit and mm-hmm. sung Under Pressure Queen. Okay. So um, at that point they were all doing the kind of band kind of introductions. Everyone was getting their moment in the sunshine, um, and Dave Grohl hopped behind the kit. So what was really cool about that was he was just rocking away, just you know, just doing his thing. 
and then uh, Taylor Hawkins said, "Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dave Grohl," and he did the opening fill of "Smells Like Teen Spirit," like "Bradum, the Bradum, the Bradum, the Bradum," and I swear it sounded exactly like the record. I'm gonna try and find a Google like an internet clip of that. You should try it honestly because it, it it blew me away. I, I thought I like instantly I was right in the middle of Nevermind. That's amazing. It, do you know it, it was amazing, but. The most frustrating part was, I think the whole crowd thought they were gonna do the full uh, song. Okay. Because okay. as soon as they played the fill, everybody like it was like, or it was like in tandem, everyone just went nuts. That's totally. Do you know what, man? I, I didn't think about this before, but he's also got total drum hooks, eh? Yeah, big time. So if you listen to like In Bloom, mm-hmm. the intro to that, the fill-ins and stuff that he plays, yeah. You know, all that stuff is just heart-shaped box and stuff, all that stuff. It's all, like, you could take the the songs away and it would still sound like him. Big time. Um, Huge. And yeah. I would argue the same for Taylor as well. I think Taylor is quite distinctive. Right. I, I, I don't disagree with you. I don't, absolutely. I think we'd talked about this before. Like, do you think, uh, like, early Taylor and the Foos versus new Taylor, you'd still be able to tell? Still him? I think so. I right. think you've built to tell. And the same way I think I think if if situation was different and um Kurt Cobain was still alive, I still think Smells Like Teen Spirit would sound like it did in back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think not uh, I mean you could argue that that was because of the whole band had a sound, but even even when you watch the Foo Fighters documentary, um the dude who recorded them, I can't remember his name, his name is just Butch Fig, thank you. Um, he even said like they had like four different drummers, and as soon as Dave walked in, that was it. Oh, really? You know, he was like, as soon as he, as soon as Dave did that fill, it was like, this is it. Wow. This is the band. Like, was the, oh, cause that's right, cause Nevermind was the first album he did, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Which fun fact? Um, the songs were all written. The songs were all as pr- like produced so see the way they are on record they uh-huh. were like that from writing stage oh wow and literally they just re-recorded it but with Dave on the drums that's pretty like, so all, all, all the drum parts were still there Um, I found so this out recently did he record them like verbatim uh, I think so Um, I, I, I've not listened to them uh, in a long time but it's like it's like the original stems from oh, Nevermind wow. where like it, they were already produced songs and then they just got Dave in, and he just gaved it. <laughs> it's it's pretty... I know he didn't do Bleach, but it's kind of pretty impossible to think of Nirvana without him. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know enough about super early Nirvana. Yeah. Um, I mean, this this was like... The, the original Foo Fighters drummer, William. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his surname, but... Goldsmith. Yeah, William Goldsmith, thank you. Um, he talked about this on a podcast that I listened to recently. Right. And it, he was just like, you know, like, Dave, like had that distinctive sound on the, the parts but the parts were all there Dave just mm. effectively played them but they, he played them how Dave would play them uh-huh. you know, yeah. which I think is really cool um, that he made those drum parts that were effectively not really his his own you know, mm-hmm. and they still have they gave it that distinct sound Do you know, it's pretty amazing that he, he, have you listened to the Unplugged album? I have, not in a long time but I have listened to it he's, he's even got a sound where he's playing brushes and rods yeah, like he's absolutely like, still Dave Grohl. Yeah, like it's, 
it's literally just Dave Grohl with a set of brushes in his hand. Totally, you know? totally, and you know he's 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 not hitting the drums super hard or anything like he would normally do, but he still sounds like him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty amazing to watch. He's just um, got these little nuances. This is absolutely so far became a Dave Grohl fest, but in quite have you so. um, during quarantine have you started listening or reading his Instagram? He's, he's um, set up an Instagram called Dave's True Stories. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, I've not actually looked at any. You yet, should. Watch, I read the first one today. It's amazing. It's all. <laughs> it's just this tremendous, like four-page story about fireworks when he was a wee guy and how he loved fireworks and how he absolutely ruined the Fourth of July by buying <laughs> buying a firework that was like absolutely mental and it fell over and pointed itself at all his neighbourhood. <laughs> started firing fireworks at random people from his street and he had no idea who they were oh it's brilliant (laughs) (laughs) so yeah Dave's True Stories Uh, check it out it's absolutely brilliant I think that's only the the, the first one he's done but oh, if that if that's how he's starting it off I can't wait absolutely amazing you know and it's it's funny because it's all about like how how many's pal go and buy this mixing desk to make the first Foo Fighters album and it turns out that turns into this 4th of July rampage that he does on his entire street <laughs> by accident it's brilliant um, <laughs> so yeah uh, he's an absolute dude I mean who else would break their leg and get back to playing oh I, I saw that tour I saw like and it's I still the only, th- the only gig that's topped it was their latest Foo Fighters gig where we could run about do you know I've like, never seen them You've never seen the Foo Fighters No, line? I haven't. It's something I should correct. Yeah, you should I, correct I, Do you that. know what I'm going to do as well? That. Because of how cool he is, I'm going to link the video from the London iTunes Festival when he kicks the guy out for fighting. Yes. Oh, that's... Uh, I, you know that way... You ever have a moment where um, you just watch either someone or you meet someone and you just know from a certain moment that you're just like, I really like you. Uh, I like, guess that, that, was, that moment was for me. <clears throat> that is brilliant. Um... Segway, as it happens, but you, you mentioned Butch Vig. Um, mm-hmm. He also recorded the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, he yeah. recorded... Uh, I'm sure he recorded the first album, Gish, but he definitely recorded Siamese Dream. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Jimmy Chamberlain has a sound like no one else. Mm-hmm. Um, he's another one of those guys that I think if you put him... And I've heard him in different situations where he absolutely just sounds like himself. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rad. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Like, I, I, I've heard you speaking a lot about Jimmy Chamberlain. I'm not um, much like you are with Dave. I'm maybe not as um, well clued up, mm-hmm. shall we say, about mm-hmm. Jimmy Chamberlain. So, sure. Um, feel free to, to talk about that. Well, I just think he's got like a, a really cool swing in his playing because he grew up playing lots of different stuff. He wasn't just a rock drummer. He was actually more like he used to play like polka. And on TV shows and, and and all sorts of weird stuff, he was like he was a job and drummer coming up. Oh, okay. So you know he would he would and he he was his brother's a drummer and I think his dad. I'm so nerdy, man. I think his dad was a clarinet player. Really? Yeah. Wow. So he had a quite a musical family then. Absolutely, and a big jazz background, um, which I think you can absolutely hear in his playing, especially on the first two albums, because it's a bit. Uh, it swings way more than than kind of later. He's kind of yeah. got back to that. Um, but I also heard him play when he left the Pumpkins for a, a hot minute. He played in a band that did a single. Now I can't remember the song. I think it's 
either another brick on the wall or schools out. It might be schools out, and they did it for the Scream soundtrack for the film Scream. Right. Okay. And they yeah. they, they were called the last last action heroes or something the band were called it was um mm-hmm. and he absolutely still sounded like jimmy chamberlain playing with he other people yeah totally yeah. um he's that the way he tunes his snare drum and stuff is absolutely him like that mm-hmm. that snare sound is always the same and it doesn't matter what and i've said this before but it doesn't even matter what gear he plays on much the same as dave you know he's played everything from really lady minging kits to high-end dw's jimmy recorded the first pumpkins record on an export that's wild. It, I still can't get over that. That's mental. You know, when you hear the drum sound, you're like, man, that's sounds absolutely amazing. Um, and that's like, what, a £500 kit? Yeah. Uh, effectively. They auctioned it off, I'm sure, um, recently, the last few years for charity. But yeah, it was mm-hmm. like a Pearl Export thing. He, he had mid-end. I mean, they were slightly different shells at the time. But yeah, he, he recorded that album on one of those and absolutely still sounds like him, you know? Yeah. Um and now he's got whatever he wants, you know, he's played Sakai, he's played Zildjian, he's played Sabian, he plays Istanbul now, and he still just sounds like him. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's pretty That's pretty amazing. It, it really yeah. is, I it's like when you, I think that's when you can tell the absolute artists if you like that they, they just sound like themselves. Mm-hmm. Matt Cameron from Soundgarden doesn't doesn't matter where you find him, he sounds because he plays with Pearl Jam now as well. Mm-hmm. He still just sounds like him. Yeah, you can totally tell. Do you think this might be kind of counterintuitive to what you've just said? But do you think, like the likes of Jimmy and Matt, chose their gear specifically because they knew it would be the sound that they wanted? Hence, why it sounds like them. Uh, it's a good question. I don't know because uh, I, I know like they've gone through different things. You know, um. They've, I know Matt Cameron played different brands. He played Aot. He's played. Um, there was a, a snare drum brand called Gre- uh, Keplinger, who made mm-hmm. really unique snares. He played Keplinger for years, but now he plays Yamaha. Right. Um. You know, I think these guys just learned to play, and they just kind of sound like they sound. You know. Yeah. I think most of the best guys do. For me, mm-hmm. they just it doesn't matter what they're on they sound like themselves carter mclean he's a prime example he just sounds like himself he totally does yeah when you <clears throat> if you go through um as i often have a carter mclean binge on instagram yeah, absolutely like a way back to his days of playing george way i think mm-hmm. george way drums mm-hmm. um and then when he switched to ludwig it's just mm-hmm. the only thing that changed was for me anyway was a visual component of it pretty much yeah. the drums just look different you know the, I mean, the playing sounded exactly the same I don't know if you've watched him recently but he's, he's playing on like monster kits now he's got like this, oh is he really like 10, 12, 13, 14, 16, 22 things set up oh wow and he's, he's, he's got like controlled sounds on and he still sounds like him mm-hmm. you know what I mean so I guess I don't know that the gear is that much of a factor mm-hmm. um, unless it's the signature product yeah, maybe. I, I, but, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know the answer mm-hmm. to that. You know, if it was things like electronics, then it's going to be different, I think. Because mm-hmm. they don't really make sound in the same way. Yeah. You know, so if you were playing for... What's the dude that plays for Anne-Marie? Ollie oh. Wiseman. 
Ollie Wiseman, that's him. Yeah. So like, uh, he's got to play most of that on electronics, eh? Mm-hmm. So I don't know how. I think for the most part. Yeah. I don't know how much he gets to carve out a sound, if you like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know that the guys like Ollie Wiseman get to um, cultivate a sound, really, do they? If they're they're on specific gear, you know. Um, especially if we we talked to Alan Dale about gear being picked for the production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. So if they if if it's on a kit that they want. Because it has to look a certain way, like your man George from the nineteen seventy five, playing Yamaha. He's not play, He's a Yamaha artist, but he's not playing Yamaha drums. Because mm-hmm. that's yeah. Because Yamaha don't make them the kit. No. Mm-hmm. So so. They, but who knows, man? For that, it's interesting. No, yeah. it's interesting. It's interesting with signature products as well. Because mm-hmm. Jimmy had a signature snare drum that they don't make now. Um, yeah, okay, if, yeah. I think it's in the recording custom range though. It's basically fourteen by five and a half aluminium. I think I think his, I think I can never remember if his was steel or aluminium. I have a mm-hmm. sneaky suspicion it was aluminium. You mm-hmm. know, it's just part of the range that they make now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty wicked. Yeah, I and mean, Jason, did, did you ever have one? No, I I didn't like them. I I it was super um, super dry, man. I, I couldn't really I couldn't really get it to sound the way I wanted it to sound. I think when you buy these things, I, I wanted it to sound like Jimmy Chamberlain. I just don't. So, um, so <laughs> I, I nearly bought one. I tried one out. Um, I nearly bought it, uh, but I, I just I passed on it. You know. Yeah. Um, do you think you've got Chad's signature snare, don't you? Yeah, I do. And the biggest kind of thing that I got from that snare drum, probably because of the shell. Obviously, I wasn't as as into gear as what I was. Or in a year now is what I was then. Uh-huh. Oh, sorry, no, strike that, reverse it. So I wasn't as into gear then as what I am now. Right. Um, but yeah, like all the all the comments I got always got about that snare drum was that it was loud. Yeah. And Chad was always known as a loud player, yeah. but then again, it was a steel shell. So I mean, I mean, I think steel can be quite. Loud. I think he's another guy that's definitely got a sound. I think his sound has changed. It's changed. If you listen to it. oh really? Well, yeah. If you listen to Blood Sugar. Versus, like, mm-hmm. you know, the last album they put out, you know, he he was playing like piccolo snares and stuff back then. You know, he was playing really thin, yeah. like, like fourteen by three, fourteen by four snares. Um, you know, he was playing Pearl, played Pearl for years and yeah, years and years. Now he's a DW guy, so um, he still sounds like him though. Yeah, I but I think it's evolved. <clears throat> you know, yeah. A lot. How much of it do you think is down to things like the way they play parts or the way they write parts? Ooh, like what do you mean? Like, give us, give us an example. Okay, so I'm thinking like, uh, I'm a big fan of Death Cab for Key, right. and I think Jason McGuire's got a really cool sound. He sounds like him, but he also writes really, really interesting parts. So mm-hmm. I don't think, like, and like if. You know, if anyone else had played Fifty Ways apart from mm-hmm. Steve Gadd, it just wouldn't have sounded the same. True, yeah. So, like, how much of it's to do with the way Taylor writes a part or the way Chad writes a part versus just like if they were all to just play the Billie Jean groove? You know what I mean? Well, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting thought process. That's like if you were to listen to Travis Barker, mm-hmm. or like if someone. Were to play over first dates that wasn't yeah, yeah. Travis Barker. Totally. I mean? Yeah, and play the, like those fill ins he plays because of the way he has the drums set up and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if it's if their sound is in the part. Mm, that's an interesting point, actually. Yeah, you know, um, like Ringo. Like I know we're not supposed to be talking about older guys because that's been talked to. That's been done yeah. to death. You know, everybody's talked about that. But mm-hmm. you know, imagine Jimmy playing come together. I mean, that would be awesome. It would be, but it would not. It, you know, would it? Would it? <coughs> would it work? I guess is what I'm trying to come up with. You know, as part of his sound because of the way he writes parts for the pumpkins or the way he thinks about the drums in general. Okay, yeah. yeah I mean, I guess the only one, I guess the only real way to know that is to hear them playing it, I suppose. But yeah, then okay. that would, like, we'd need to invest in a time machine, probably. Well, you, you saw that you when know. the first, when they did um, Under Pressure, did Dave play the part? Did he play the drum part? He did, yeah. And... <laughs> Now that I'm thinking back, he did sound like him. Right. He didn't sound like Roger Taylor. He okay. sounded like Dave Grohl playing Under Pressure. Right. So that's you know kind of I mean? what I'm getting at. You know, do these right. guys, do they still sound like him? Or is it because of the parts they play? You know, like, would Roger Taylor sound like Roger Taylor if he was playing uh, with the Kinks? You know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would he still sound like Roger Taylor or would he sound like, would it work? You know, it's kind of convoluted. Uh huh, yeah. But it's fascinating to me. What would be your fantasy, like, who would you love to hear playing what song? Okay. Um, oh, man, what a question. To be an ultimate troll, I would love to hear Neil Peart playing Billie Jean. <laughs> I bet he would nail it. He would absolutely nail it, but I want him to have, like, I'm talking, like, the same setup he would have had. Like, oh, okay. Like, proper time machine. I mean, to in some respect, you can actually see some of this stuff on YouTube. You know the first UK drum show where they had the Remo night. Oh yeah, uh-huh. and all these they had all these um, pro guys playing cover songs. Mm-hmm. So you know they had a house band and, and Jr. sat down and played "Ain't Nobody" with the band, and you know Andy Gangadine played rock and roll by Zeppelin, and mm-hmm. um, the guy from the Blossoms played a Stone Roses song and weird stuff like that. And um, Yamaha used to, I don't know if they still do, but the Groove Night they did at the Nam show, where you could hear, like, Antonio Sanchez playing Good Times, Bad Times. Or the Bonzo Bash, they called it, rather. They did this, this the, the Bonzo Bash. There was two things. They had the Yamaha Groove Night and the Bonzo Bash. And they would put, they would set up a Bonham kit. And right. different guys would get up and play a Led Zeppelin song with the house band. On oh, the cool. on the Bonzo kit, so you can kind of check some of that stuff out, you know, mm-hmm. um, to see somebody get like Keith Carlock playing, you know, Stairway to Heaven or something. I don't know what song he played, but you get the idea, you know, guys that you wouldn't expect to play Bonham songs, yeah. playing Bonham songs. Um, I think the key for a lot of those guys is to just play the part, and it's going to come out like it comes out. You can't imagine trying to sound like Bonham. Eh? Oh man, that just no thank you. I, I no, would fail just, that mission. <laughs> I think we all would. Most people yeah. would. There's a couple of guys that do the, the cover band thing. The cover band thing, the tribute band thing, quite well. But you know, it's quite difficult to get right. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. totally. I remember having um, a, a conversation with a customer, a guy called John Halliwell, who plays for One Night at Queen, mm-hmm. and getting right into the nitty gritty of a Roger Taylor part. I can't remember. If, um, you're my best friend, maybe, and there's like a single stroke roll thing, mm-hmm. and the two of us are nerding out on trying to get it right because he has to get all these details down. Yeah, because yeah. they're 
unlike a lot of these things, there will be a guy out in the crowd who will absolutely, it. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, who else do you think? Or okay, sorry. Before we go into that, I'll put you. I'll put that question to you. Oh, you said Neil Peart, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. I think that would just be funny. Yeah. Um, same way, I would love to hear Travis Barker playing Superstition. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I just think that would be funny as well. Uh, like, or just it'd be interesting because that's like you said, both of them would absolutely nail it. Mm-hmm. But it's how they would nail it that I'd yeah. be more interested in. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had written down. Because I wrote down a little list. Right. Um, I had written down a guy called Elan Rubin. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm a huge fan of Elan Rubin. Elan Rubin is, for those of you who maybe don't know who Elan Rubin is, um, he is like more or less like a session guy, but I think he's one of those session guys that has a sound. Right. Um, <coughs> case in point being, um, if you listen to Paramore's self-titled album, just Paramore by mm-hmm. Paramore, mm-hmm. essentially. He played on that album, um, and then if you were to listen to, I mean, granted, a lot of these bands are in the same genre, fair enough. But I think if you listen to like a band like Angels and Airwaves, mm-hmm. or even now Nine Inch Nails, because he mm-hmm. plays for Nine Inch Nails, if you were to listen to those, like, any song, probably, let's say for Paramore, their self-titled album, and then for Nine Inch Nails and Angels and Airwaves, their recent stuff, right? I would say that there'd be, I I could personally tell who it is playing the drums. Well, okay. Based on it, because he just has a such a distinctive sound, and he's he's a really incredible player as well. He plays open handed. Okay. Um, but he's also a phenomenal musician as all that as well. This is, again, this is another love fest coming out. But he's he's an incredible player, and I think he does have that distinctive tone, especially in just the way he hits the drums. Right. Like he's by no means shy. Mm-hmm. He hits those drums, mm-hmm. um, and I think that just adds to his, his tone. He's got a tone, right. I think. And he's a phenomenal musician, um, but I, I could almost you could almost put on any song that he's played on, and you'll know it's him before you've even realised. But I certainly know. Do you think it's you know. um, related to genre? I don't know. I mean, he is known as like a kind of like a rock guy, right? But he can do it all, man. He can do all the, the delicate stuff. I mean, you've heard that Panamore self-titled album. Like there is ah, a couple yeah. of delicate little songs on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That he just absolutely nails. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He's capable of it, so you know. Yeah, I guess maybe what I'm getting at is that do the the guys who work in the pop scene have as much chance to even think about a sound, um, or is it you know because some of that stuff is so produced, mm-hmm. they're just kind of replicating a live thing for, or sort of replicating a studio thing for a live situation, you know. Yeah. Unless I, I mean. Ash Soane's an, an example of a guy who absolutely in that field I think has a sound. Oh yeah, big time, yeah. Um, and I, that's probably why he's hired. Mm-hmm. I would think that's why he's hired. I think that's people would call him because he sounds like that. Yeah, big time. You know, but then if you're doing the new, you know, Dua Lipa gig or something, you know, the mm-hmm. are you just replicating parts? I don't know. It's quite. It's a really interesting one. In fact, when you're talking about Ash Sohn, I'm actually going to look for it right now because he put up a really fascinating thing on his Instagram uh, last month. Right. Um, so you know that song, um, Set Fire to the Rain by sure. Adele? Uh-huh. So Ash played on that. Yeah, that's yeah, true. If you couldn't tell by the playing. Um, but he did, I, I really, I would actually like to see him do more of this stuff mm-hmm. if, he's, if he's able. Um, but he put up like the snare drum that he used on that song. 
Right. Like put like uh, like this is the snare drum that was used on a song with the song playing over the top of it. It's like a photo, um. But it's really interesting because like, as I know certainly for me, I'm interested in knowing what gear guys used on what particular sessions and things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. To see again, I suppose that could then add it to whether they have a distinct sound because of the gear or because of X, Y, and Z or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting because they used a Maple Custom. Maple Custom uh, Absolute 14 by 5.5 snare drum. On right, the, okay. On song, well, there you go. Which I think is quite cool. Yeah. Um, so, I'd, I I mean, if, if not that Ash would listen to this, or maybe he would, I don't know, but if he does more of that stuff, I think that's really interesting. I think a lot of studio guys would be really... And drummers watching studio guys would be quite interesting. Yeah, <laughs> they probably have to be careful like, endorsements and all that. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, but yeah, it, it's fascinating to me about all that stuff. You know, I think they just have to do what's necessary for the track or the album or whatever it is they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's, maybe if they would they have time to do it. You know. Yeah. Um. I think we've spoken about this before, but I remember listening to, I saw Kenny Aronoff years ago, 2005 or something, talking about recording for Alanis Morissette, and he had to do the whole album in like one day, and make it sound, he was the the last guy to record, which is crazy. What? Um, so, oh, so they'd record, wait, what? The, the whole album was done, apart from right. drums, so he went, he then went in and, and did the drums. I can't remember if it was he was redoing the drums or if they just had demos and the, the rest of the album was right. recorded and the way it worked out was he was only available on this date so they did everything else and then he goes in last. <clears throat> but right, okay. he had to make it sound like he was the first guy to record. So you're not getting... Oh. You know what I mean? No pressure. Yeah. Um, so you're not getting to mess around with, with gear and stuff. Mm-hmm. You just have to go. You just have to do it because you've got... Mm-hmm. like. 12 tracks to do in a day yeah and then Kenny was probably having to fly off to like Singapore or something (laughs) yeah some crazy be a judge on a TV show or something but then yeah probably you know but then guys like Ash can do that they can put up here's what I used and here's why I used it Mm -hmm. quite fascinating Um, and he's another guy that absolutely sounds like him because I've seen him play Yamaha drums and then I've seen him play Gretsch drums Mm mhm I've also seen him play Sakai drums as well, so um, he absolutely sounds like himself. Yeah, big time, yeah. Regardless of, of what it is that he's playing on, you know, so mm-hmm. it's fun. Would you say, would, would Neil Wilkinson also? Yes, aye, is that? aye yeah. for sure. Um, I think he's got an amazing ability to be individual mm-hmm. and sound like himself or be an absolute chameleon and just do whatever yeah whatever is necessary so for those listening who don't know who Neil Wilkinson is he currently plays for James Morrison mm-hmm. yeah um, but he's, he's done countless yeah he's, he's one of the UK's top session players and stuff we've mm-hmm. had him in clinic before he's amazing he talked about someone playing superstition he he, he did that he, he sat down and, and played that for the audience and mm-hmm. you know note for note it was just flawless Absolutely amazing, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think he absolutely counts, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, I've seen him play different drums. I've seen him play Yamaha, Sakai. He's on the Gretsch now. He's kind of followed the same path as Ash in that respect yeah. a wee bit. Um, and he's yeah, absolutely amazing, you know. Phenomenal player. Mm-hmm. Well, I put out 
Um, I posed this question on the socials earlier on today, um, asking drummers which drummers they think have a sound. Right. Um, so I've got some quite interesting responses, actually. Um, so uh, Chris Rorty um, has said uh, Thomas Bridgen. Oh, okay. Matt Halpern, Alan Rubin, of course. Um, he's also said James Trude, who currently plays for uh, Dua Lipa. Oh, okay. Having a distinctive kind of sound. Um, he's mentioned a few others as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely I agree with Thomas Bridgen because you can hear his, you can tell it's him a mile away on um, the Mars Volta. Right. I haven't listened to him enough, so I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, for me, his, his paradiddles are just distinctive. <laughs> They're just outrageous. I got through the um, first three of their albums and, and didn't check out much after John Theodore left. Yeah. But I should. Um, Callum Ryan drums. Hi, right. Hi, Callum. Hi, Callum. It's called Ryan. Uh, love him or hate him, but Ringo definitely has a sound. Yeah, of totally course. Agree. Yeah. But that yeah. goes without saying. Yeah. Um, Thomas Muir drums. Sorry if I butchered your name, Thomas. Um, Vinnie Paul. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally agree with that. Uh, Jake, our Jake, has said uh, Tommy Aldridge. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's played for like White Snake and Ozzy and Ted uh, Nugent. Nugent. Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent. Uh, and Thin Lizzy, and you always kind of know it's him by his well, He I is mean, amazing. Yeah, he's he's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, you just need to look at his sticks and just know yeah. that he's amazing. He got standing a standing O at the UK drum show. Oh, did he? Yeah, the only drummer to get a standing O. And he, he just he just I can't even remember what White Snake song he played, but he just he just blew the roof off the place. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. Aye. Very very good. Uh, ben Neenan, uh says Dave Grohl, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Bycroft one two three four said Ash Soen. Mm-hmm. Um, here's one that I think you'll want to entertain. Uh, Oliver Mike Glard. Sorry if I butchered your name. Uh, Danny Carey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, from early tool to new tool, it just sounds like him. Mm-hmm. His right symbol, absolutely the same symbol through most of it. Um, what is it? I think it's a signature, a Paisley signature heavy ride, I think. Mm-hmm. Can't remember off the top of my head. But it absolutely, it's like super dry and, and pingy and it absolutely sounds like him. Um, yeah. What's interesting, talking about gear, it's interesting how his setup's changed because he doesn't play toms at the top now, he plays rotor toms. Mm. Um, so he's got two bass drums, snare drum, two floor toms, rotor toms, and then some weird electronics round about him and all that. But he, right. he absolutely sounds like him. Symbols is, is really distinct. Like You can really tell they're Pisces, that that's super clean, super bright. Cut, cut through everything, you know. And is it Sonar he plays? Yes, that is Sonar yes. he plays. What series? Uh, SQ2. SQ2. Yeah, I, can't, I don't know what shells he plays on the bass drums and floor toms. He has his own signature snare, which is, or he did, I don't know if they still make it, it was a 14 by 8 bronze. Mm-hmm. Um, you, we had one of those yeah, in the shop, actually. Like yeah, two weeks ago or something. Yeah, amazing. So yeah, he absolutely sounds like himself, you know. What's your favourite um, Tool album? Oh... There's a question. Lateralis probably, which Lateralis. is which is the third album. Mm-hmm. Um, big fan of Ten Thousand Days, but I think Lateralis has just got it's got more song songs on it. Um, right. 
10,000 Days has a lot of that atmospheric nonsense and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the new one, but Latter Alice is probably the best one. Yeah. Do you think that album um, highlights Danny Strumming the most? Yes, I do. Um, it's very, like, you can hear the progression from Undertow to uh, Enema to Latter Alice, and then from Latter Alice onwards, it's kind of all very similar, you know. Um, but you can definitely hear the progression from how even his sound has changed from Undertow to through through the records. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think um, Anima or Enema is the most drummy album, not drummy album, the, the most sort of mainstream if you like, it's not too mental with time signatures and stuff, it's more like, a, it's more of a metal album. Right, okay. Yeah, and yeah. Then, it, then it starts to get a bit more like, the songs are longer and they take a while to get to where they're going and then they kind of explode and then they're finished. Yeah. You know, totally. more of a prog metal album. Mm-hmm. You know? That's interesting. Um, I, I think it would be a, a sin if I didn't mention Steve Jordan because right, he's, yeah. he's, he's one of those guys I think that again probably like um, like Ringo is just it goes without saying he absolutely has a distinctive sound yeah for sure um, man for sure do you think it's do you think guys are hired on a gig purely because of how they sound mm, I think some people are yeah yeah you know I think Josh Freeze gets hired because he sounds like it can sound like anything, really. He can do that right. pop thing, or he can do that rock thing, or you know, he's he's got a specific th- thing he's hired for. Matt Chamberlain's got a thing he's hired for. Um, you know, Ash will have a thing that he, a sound that he's hired for. You know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, absolutely do. Um, yeah. You could kind of go around the houses on it. You know, there's tons of there's tons of people we haven't mentioned. Jim Keltner and stuff. You know, all these session guys. You know, Vinny. I was. I Vinny was on my list actually. Vinny. Yeah, Gordon, yeah, yeah. I just butchered his yeah. name. Gordon, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Vinny Collicutter. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think they absolutely are hired for their sound and what they can. I mean, Vinny's hired because he can do anything, like literally anything. Yeah. You know, a bit of an alien. Yeah, pretty much. Bit of a bit of a freak, but um, in the best possible way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Big thing. Yeah. Well, I guess if anyone has any other, these are obviously just ones that we've came across and people have suggested. Yeah. But if anyone else has any other suggestions of who they think, um, mm-hmm. they can certainly let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be um, in the review section of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Bear in mind, this is our opinion as well. Eh? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and obviously, opinion opinions are subjective. So, mm-hmm. um, but these are just a few guys that we think, guys and gals, I suppose, mm-hmm. who think who we think have a sound. Yeah. Um, Cindy Blackman, I would oh, say, yeah. has a yeah. sound. Big For thing. sure, man. Definitely. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So, um, if you have anything you'd like us to talk about, let us know and we'll do our best. If this works, certainly we'll do our best to, to do more and, and chat through stuff. Uh, we'll maybe even try and get some guests on. Yeah, big time. Uh, if people could let us know as well, if they think it works. Because mm-hmm. yeah. so far it seems to be working. Yeah, yeah um, I think so. Um, so yeah Aye. but yeah. Hey, we'll leave it there for today because um, we've both got stuff to do mm. um, and uh, we'll just see you next time where can people find us mate so can people f- can find us uh, 24-7 on drummersonly.co.uk mm-hmm. um, they can find us on Instagram Facebook and Twitter at drummersonlyuk they can drop us an email at info at drummersonly.co.uk um, at the time of recording this both stores are of course closed 
um, due to um, COVID-19. So unfortunately, you won't be able to visit the store. But when you're able, we're here in Glasgow and Leeds. Um, other than that, drop us a line, drop us an email, drop us a message. Um, and take care. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do so. Stay safe. We'll see you soon. Stay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.